Welcome to Adding Fuel to the Hire, a podcast for hiring managers and job seekers across all types of dealerships. With over 20 years collective recruitment experience, Rowan, Tony and Phil draw upon their knowledge to help you navigate through the recruitment and job hunt process. For more information, head to our website, addingfueltothehire.com. Hello and welcome to another episode of Adding Fuel to the Hire. I am today's host, Tony Flynn, and with me again is Phil Lysader. How are you, Phil? I'm very good, Tony. How are you? I'm good, thank you. So today's topic is called Nailing the Hiring Process. Um, There's going to be a bit of double up in this one where we touch across a a couple of different subtopics that we've talked about previously. But uh, what we want to do is, I suppose, uh, centralize it all into the one topic um, and really just going over the, I'd say the four or five pillars that we see um, on a day-to-day basis as being those things that can really bring uh, the recruitment process crashing down Yeah. Um, and where, I suppose, most of the errors are made by most companies. Yeah, that's right. So first and foremost is the actual application process itself. Um, you know, there's two schools of thought. Do you make it quick and easy um, so that you're just getting as many candidates applying as possible or do you make it uh, rigorous and difficult and have trick questions in there, um, you know, like submit uh, your cover letter with your favourite pet uh, in your cover letter to prove that you've read this this yeah, yeah. Uh, job ad. Yeah. So there's two schools of thoughts, quick, easy versus uh, rigorous, pros and cons of both. Um, obviously if it's quick and easy, you're going to increase, uh, you know, your pool of candidates that are applying for the role. Yeah. Um, but, uh, at the same time it, uh, it can lead to more junk for you to go through. Yeah. Um, sure. and whereas, you know, whether it's, if it's rigorous and it's a, a tedious application process, then, uh, you can potentially lose good candidates Yes. and, uh, you know, but at the same time you're going to really, uh, avoid the bad ones applying as well. Cause they won't be bothered to. But um, I think as a general rule, it, uh, it sounds dramatic, but uh, if, uh, if one great candidate uh, doesn't apply for your job because it's too rigorous, the application process, yeah. then, uh, then unfortunately you failed already because that could have been the perfect employee. They could have joined your company, worked for 10 years and turned the business around. So everything you do around that application process needs to be, well, how do we make sure that we do not lose any potential great uh, applicants? Correct throughout this process. That's right. Um, it doesn't mean that it can't be rigorous, but just in a different way. So actually physically applying for the job shouldn't be difficult. That should be quick and easy. Yeah. But it's really your job ads job to vet the bad employees or bad applicants out. So in the job ad, you want to say, you know, this is what the experience you will need. It's not going to stop everyone from applying for the role, but it will stop a small portion of, uh, you know, useless people that uh, yeah, don't fit yeah. their bill. You're still going to get people call you up, say, oh, the job ad says that um, you've got to have this and this and this experience. So I don't have that, but do you think I can still apply? Yeah. Like, well, <laughs> you can apply, <laughs> but it does quite clearly state this is what we're looking for. Yeah. So you're never going to avoid that. Yeah. But it's just going to happen. Yeah. I think the temptation is trying to avoid that. You uh, you go and have a really rigorous uh, application process where you know they've got to jump through all these hoops and uh, yeah. You know, I mean, I've I've seen them before where you have to you go on the company's website um, from the job board. You know, yep. instead of applying through the job board, first of all, you get taken to their website. You have to make an account. Yeah, and then once you've made an account, you've got to go through like ten pages of questions 
and uploading different things and it's it's uh, it's very, very rigorous to the point where you go, oh, it's too hard. Yeah. I can't be bothered. And it takes you three hours to apply for a job. Yep. All for that just to get an email at the end saying, oh, sorry, no. <laughs> yeah. So if that's your if that's your top candidate or prospective candidate that makes that decision, well then you've just lost someone. Correct. So your, your application process as a whole for getting about the job ad really needs to be as simple as attaching a resume, your first name, last name, contact details. Correct. Um, beyond that, it really cannot be that much more difficult. No. And we've I mean we 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 know this. It's not difficult to set your processes up so that everyone who applies for a job gets a response, yeah. whether that's a yes or a no. And it's very, very easy to make that for every single applicant. So um, even if you do have 50 people to go through, you can get that done in 20 minutes. Yeah. You know, it's it's not difficult. It's uh, it's just about setting your own systems and processes up. Um, you just want to try, uh, me personally, this is what I, I always do, I just want to try and get as many people as I can. And then once I've got as many people as I possibly can, I can go from there. Yeah, exactly right. Um, all right. Well, that, that's the first step of the process. Then you go a little bit further into, and then you, you talk about, uh, I suppose, candidate engagement and how you keep them throughout that whole recruitment process engaged and, yeah. and interested in the role that you're, they're applying for. Um, we've mentioned it in just about every episode because it is that important, but communication, yeah. um, you can't have too much of it. Um, whether that's in with employees or just with applicants, you just need to communicate with them all the time. So I think the, the, the saying that most people should uh, kind of aspire to if they haven't already thought of it like this is you need to treat every candidate like a future customer. Correct. Um, and, and in this industry, it, it's very likely that that is the case or they're even a current customer. Um, so you, you want to make sure that regardless of what happens with their application, um, when they walk away from it, they have nothing but positive thoughts about your company. Correct. Um, because next time they need spare parts or whatever, they might call up your company and, and ask for them. So Yeah, not just uh, that, but, you know, they probably have friends in the industry who yeah. might mention to them in passing, oh, you know, I'm thinking of, I've saw this job online, I'm thinking of applying for this company. If you had a great experience interviewing um, with said company, you're probably going to say, oh, I actually interviewed with them once. I didn't get the job, but uh, they were really, really good. You know, they got back to me really quickly. Um, I knew, you know, everything that was going on uh, or the communication is really, really good. So um, it's it's a walking advertisement for you. Yeah, exactly right. And it's the easiest way to get referrals without putting any effort in. Yeah. Um, but the process itself, the, the hiring process, there's, you know, different stages. There's interviewing, there's reference checking, there's presenting offers, that kind of thing. Mm. As a general rule and, and a, a guide to uh, to follow when you're trying to nail your process is, keeping everything within a 24-hour turnaround speed. Yeah. So that means that if the next step after an interview is to do a second interview or to do reference checks, then you want to have those reference checks done within 24 hours or at least the process well and truly started. Yeah. Um, and, and, you know, you've done everything you can within that 24-hour period. Yeah. Um, or if it's a second interview, have that second interview locked in within a 24-hour period. Or if Correct. the next step's presenting an offer, present an offer within the next 24 hours. Yeah. It's, it's a really simple, easy guide. Uh, the reason being that as long as someone knows what the next process is or next step in the process is, if it's happening within a 24-hour period, it feels quick. Yeah. So even if there's seven steps to the process, which I must say I don't recommend, try and keep the process <laughs> as short as possible, but if there are seven steps and you're doing each step within 24 hours, yeah. then that's going to keep that candidate engaged. It's yeah. going to feel like a lot quicker of a process. Yeah. You know, seven steps across seven days is far quicker than two steps across two weeks. Yeah. So yeah, it feels very quick. 
in that sense. You yeah. know, you, you, you really feel like, um, wow, they're really pushing this along so they can get me on. Yeah, you something's know? always moving. Something's yeah. happening. Yeah. And you never the worst thing you the worst thing a candidate can say when they're applying for a job is, Oh yeah, I'm not really sure what's going on at the moment. Yeah. <laughs> Cause yeah. we talked about I think it was the first episode or second episode we did, but planting the seed of doubt. Yeah. Silence. As soon as a candidate just sits there and doesn't know. Yeah. The way to think about it, if you flip it and you're an employer and you interview this really great candidate and you love them. Yeah. And you present them an offer and you don't hear from them in a week. As the employer, you're sitting there going, what are they thinking about? <laughs> Have they got another offer? Yeah. Do they like us? What's going on? Yeah. So the candidate's thinking the exact same thing on the other side of the fence. Correct. So it's just putting yourself in their shoes and, and thinking about how you would, uh, you know, what you would expect or what you would like to be able to, uh, to remain positive and engaged throughout that process. Yeah, that's right. And um, look, if you are working with a recruiter on a role, mm. um, these rules apply to the recruiter. So he will then he or she will take over a lot of that updating for you. Yeah. Um, just keep them engaged as well. Um, they'll, they'll, you know, be asking you for updates and that sort of thing, but just try and give them an update on, even if it's just, look, we have set a meeting now to discuss this. It's an, it's on this and this and this day. Um, the computer can, uh, the recruiter can relay that over to the, um, to the candidate and everyone stays engaged. Yeah, it, it's almost made, well, I suppose it's magnified. If you're not communicating with the recruiter that you've outsourced to, and the candidate's asking them for an update, it looks even worse on the behalf of your company because it's like, well, you can't even keep them updated even when you've got a recruiter helping you as yeah. well. So it's almost even more important uh, if you've got a recruiter working for you. But in any instance, just make sure you're updating everyone involved in the process Correct. Uh, as often as you can. Um, that kind of segues perfectly into the next key pillar, I suppose, of nailing the process. That's time sensitivity. We've yep. already touched on it. Everything needs to be done as quickly as possible. It doesn't mean that you have a sh super short process that needs to be done within 24 hours. It means that whatever your process is, it's done as quickly and efficiently as it can. Yeah. Because uh, we've said it on so many episodes, if uh, if you're going slow, your competitors may not be. Yeah. And they will employ the people and you will miss out. Correct. So, yeah, that's right. You know, and, you know, say you've, uh, you're looking to, to bring someone on and it's the – First of June, and on the uh, on the job ad you write applications close June twenty eight, right? And first of all, what does that mean? So if someone applies June twenty nine, do you not accept the application? Yeah. So they're perfect. Or um, the other thing that does is um, you know, a lot of the time people will then not do anything with those applications until the date yep. has passed. Yep. And so the people who've applied on the first, second and the third, the first week of June, essentially, they're probably already gone. Yeah. They've probably already found something because you, you you were too slow. And that's a really good point because statistics show that I think 80 to 90% of your applications will come in the first four days. Yeah. So if you're <laughs> intentionally sitting around for, you know, 30 days for your ad to expire before you yeah. engage with them, then 80 to 90% of them will be 26 or more days old. Yeah. And the likelihood that they're still available and around is very minimal, low. Minimal, yeah. And if yeah. they are, then probably not great. Yeah. The other thing you you sort of um, make yourself vulnerable to is that people procrastinate the application. Yep. So they go, I get it a lot. You know, I get people call and say, oh, um, just wanted to check in. Uh, when do the applications for that one close? And, um, you know, they're, they're sort of going, oh, okay, so I've got time, yep. you know. And um, when you give them, you know, say, oh, well, another three weeks, you know, not that we do that, but I know people do that. Um, 
you know, it'll be another three weeks. Oh, okay, no worries. So I've got time. Yeah. So then they put, don't put in an application. Yeah. And, you know, they'll go, oh, I'll do it later. And then they never end up, they never end up doing it. Yeah. And the other, I suppose, element of waiting, you know, and, and not having care for the time sensitivity is if uh, if candidates put in an application, once again, 80, 90% of them put them in on the uh, first four days. Yeah. And then you call them up on day 31, day 32 and say, oh, hey, Phil, I'm just calling you from, you know, X dealership. I uh, just want to talk about your application. And in the meantime, Phil's applied for seven other jobs. Yeah. He's like, oh, what? I, I don't know what you're talking about. And then, you know, he's not going to sell himself very well against, uh, you know, newer candidates that have applied, but they don't want to necessarily be the best candidates. So yeah. you're, you're not really getting a clear representation of the people that have applied. It's just messy. I think as a general rule, if your processes are set up that you physically can't handle applications until, you know, your ad's expired, whatever reason, whether it's you're too busy or whatever, then uh, you, you do need to review your processes and, and almost start Definitely. from scratch because it shouldn't be that. If you have a great candidate come through, you should be getting onto it straight away Yeah. Um, because every time you see a great candidate, you have to assume they've applied for more than just your ad Yeah. because usually that's the case. That's right. So, um, yeah, that's that's pivotable, pivotal, I should say, when, uh, when recruiting. But um, finally, so you, you get through the process, the candidate's engaged, they're happy, um, they're, they're eager and they're keen where it will fall over and it falls over more often than it should is presenting the job offer. Yeah. Um, this is probably more so than all of them, the most delicate, I think, because mm. it's probably the most personal, um, or at least icky it, or yeah. it has the potential to be icky. Yeah. Um, so first and foremost, when it comes to presenting a job offer, often, you know, reference checks are involved, medical assessments, that sort of thing. Mm. Um, a really good way to do it is to keep the candidate engaged is to present your offer subject to reference checks or subject to a medical or a mm. police check or mm. whatever those final last steps in the process are. Yeah. Make your offer subject to that for a couple of reasons. One, they're not going to continue looking elsewhere if they've secured an offer subject to these things. Correct. Most people are confident they're going to pass those tests. Um, but also it's important because if uh, – if you go and send them out to a medical that costs you 800 bucks mm. and you haven't presented an offer to them and you haven't spoken to them about their salary expectations, yeah. then you present that offer and you give them 80K, but they're already on 100K yeah. and they go, oh, no, I'm not interested. I thought it was going to be more. Mm. Suddenly you've just spent 800 bucks on a, on a medical <laughs> for no reason. And yeah. it's an expense. And we've had clients that have done it before and it, it's an expensive exercise. Yeah. So if you do send, if part of your process is medicals, reference checking, that sort of thing, make offers subject to them. Uh, references are probably a little bit more difficult. Um, there's you know different things to consider from a legal standpoint there. But just generally speaking, particularly medicals, that's the clear cut one. If you present uh, an offer subject to a medical, that is a, a clear thing that anyone can do. Correct. Um, it's perfectly legal. Um, yeah. HR should have no problems with that whatsoever. Um, then the actual offer itself, it's uh, it's imperative. Just do not lowball a candidate. Yeah. Um, there's a really good quote that Rowan always says that um, when it comes to presenting an offer, you're, you're you're starting a relationship. You're not buying a house. Correct. <laughs> so you know, great to lowball someone when you're buying a house because you're talking hundreds of thousands of dollars. It's personal to you. Every dollar counts. You're never going to see that person again. You don't really care if it doesn't work out. Who cares? I'll go to the next one. Yeah. Chances That's, are you'll never meet the owners. <laughs> exactly. You're usually dealing through an agent. So yeah. when you're talking about a job offer, you're talking about a person that you are hoping will stick around for years to come. Yeah. Be positive. Love your company. You know, not rub people up the wrong way. So you want to make it 
you know, give them that offer in a way that they're already getting the warm and fuzzies before they've even walked in the door. They're happy. You know, they love the business. Correct. You know, they haven't even started yet, but they already love you. They're already singing yep. your praises to people. Um, so that's the most important thing, you know. You yeah. Get, but that cut ties back to things we've talked about in the past where you need to discuss salary and where you're both at in the interview process, uh, making sure you're on the same page because that makes that offer stage a lot more. Uh, I suppose manageable and, and a lot easier to avoid a lowball situation because often you could lowball people without even realizing it mm. uh, in an offensive way just because you haven't spoken about their expectations. That's right. To your expectations. That's right. And look, with the offer, you want to make it personal. Mm. Um, ideally, you want to do it via phone call. If you can do it face to face, great. But generally speaking, it'll, it'll, it'll be a phone call. Yeah. Um, the way I mean, we've we've done this before. The way we usually handle it is we say, look, um, you know, they'd like to offer you the role. Um, they're looking at, you know, this is the offer, this is the money, and these are the sort of benefits you're looking at. Um, just give it to them over the phone so it feels more personal rather than just sending an email and saying, hey, by the way, yeah. we did actually like you, here's a here's a letter of offer, yeah. let us know. Yeah, exactly. And, and it, it, that has a really good benefit as well because you can gauge from that phone call their response. Yeah. Um, often we'll try and get a verbal confirmation. Uh, you know, there's so many variables in, in it and they can't always just, agree to it over yeah. the phone and they're not legally yeah. bound. But you just say, you know, how do you feel about this offer? What are your thoughts? And nine times out of ten, it's like, yeah, great, you know, positivity in the voice. You can hear them, they're up and about, you know, right, you can present them with a, uh, a formal offer and it's going to go well. Yeah. Um, but other times you can present that verbal offer and you hear, you know, what's your thoughts? Uh, and as soon as you hear that pause, you know, you know, they're not really keen on it. So yeah. present it verbally, welcome them on board, you know, create the warm and fuzzies and, and really engage with them make them happy to be there and, and receiving it. And then, uh, then from there presented with a formal offer via email. Correct. That's but, right. Um, and in terms of timeframes, again, it, it can be difficult. You've got the best employee, a uh, best candidate. You've interviewed them. You just love them. They tick all the boxes. You want to offer them the role then and there. Um, what you should generally do is, uh, send them the, the offer 24 hours after the final interview. Yeah. Um, the reason being it gives a perception to them that you've had other options you've looked across them and yet you're our favorite guy. Yeah. So um, giving it to them straight away can make them think, oh, were they just really desperate? Do they have no one else? Yeah. You know, obviously it can give the assumption that, uh, you know, oh, I was great. They wanted to offer it to me straight away. But people don't always have that high level of uh, confidence. Correct. So a lot of people just think, was I the only option? Yeah. Um, and it worries them. Whereas if you – you know, leave it sit for 24 hours, let them marinate in it, and then you come back to them and say, look, you know, we've uh, we've explored our options and we think you're the best one. We'd love to give you a go. Um, here's our offer. Then they're going to think, you know, I am the best person for this job. That's it. Um, they're going to be happy and uh, and far more engaged. And from day one, they're going to be confident that they're, uh, you know, they're capable for the role, which is a lot of lot to do with it. You want them to be confident. That's right. But, um, yeah, as we said, there are so many other factors to uh, to nailing the hiring process. We've talked about it lots before, but uh, if there is anything in particular that you want covered off on, please shoot through a, an email and the contact details in the show notes below. We're happy to do any topics that you suggest. We've got uh, plenty more still to come, but uh, otherwise, thank you for listening. We'll be back next week. See you next time. Thank you for listening to another episode of Adding Fuel to the Hire. If you have any questions or you'd like to hear us talk about a particular topic, why not send us an email at podcast at addingfueltothehire.com. If you like what we do and would like to support our podcast, please leave a review on your podcasting app of choice. For further information, please visit our website, addingfueltothehire.com.